Welcome back to another episode of Dear Nina, conversations about friendship and back by very popular demand is my best friend, Karen Kessel. And we're going to do another one of those rapid fire where I guess it's not that rapid, although we're going to keep it under 30 minutes, which is not easy. It takes a little editing and it takes a lot of self-control. <laughs> right, Tara? We could talk for a long time, but we like to keep it listenable. So Tara, welcome back. Taryn's in Chicago. I'm in Minneapolis. Always nice to be in it with you, Nina. And Taryn's on our <laughs> Facebook page, too. You're all welcome to have a little access to Taryn. She's not the social media monster I am, so she may not see it for a couple of days. But you certainly could talk to Taryn a little bit on there. The Facebook group is called Dear Nina, the group. And it's private, meaning you can't see it just by searching names. We have a lot of fun conversations in there. I often preview the questions, but none of these have been previewed. This is all just for Taryn. So Tara, I'm just going to go right ahead and read question number one. We have four questions today. Dear Nina, I feel like my whole life I've been searching for that elusive best friend. I've had many, it seems, that were going to stick, even with living cross-country and raising kids but inevitably I end up feeling like I'm working harder to keep it alive than the other person is. And then I quit trying and we lose touch. Am I just a bad friend? It's hard to see people still together with their childhood besties. And my mom in her 60s still has yearly retreats with her high school girlfriends. Thanks, Nina. She didn't give her a name. So we're just going to call her question number one. It's interesting because I introduced you as my best friend. And I've had somebody call me out on that before and suggest that I don't use the term best friend because it makes people feel like they have to have a best friend. And she suggested I use an expression more like my dear friend or my oldest friend. I'm not going to change how I introduce you, but I kind of see where this person is coming from a little bit in that she feels like she has to have this number one person. And I don't know that that's necessary. Maybe she's looking for something that doesn't need to exist instead of being satisfied with the friends she has. What do you think? You're also kind of saying there there isn't any universal description of what falls under that best friend title. It's not like you have to check off a certain number of boxes to have that best friend status. For the record, I'd just like to say I'm very proud to be considered a best friend. Oh, me too. <laughs> and I'm not relinquishing that title anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. But it's a really good question. And it makes me think about our friendship because we have not lived in yep. the same city since we were in high school, yeah. technically. And I don't think that we've, other than me visiting you in Minneapolis, because when you come here, you have family. It's not just friendship focused. You have a very vibrant Chicago life when you're here. So other than me coming to you, we've never had the time to say, hey, let's do something for the weekend somewhere else. Although I love it. And and hopefully one day we'll get there. We really haven't. We once stayed in downtown Chicago. Oh, for a reunion for one night. Yes. That was like it. And then did we stay once with our husbands or did downtown? Or did you stay at your house? But no, we stayed downtown, but still you were with Brian and I was with Doug. It wasn't yeah. a lumber party. And it was one night. It, it's just not something we've done. And so there are ways that you could keep long distance friendships going without major trips. But I guess that speaks to the second part of her question. But I guess she's looking at these other relationships people have, but she doesn't know how they label each other. For all she knows, her mom's friends just say, oh, I'm going on a trip with my old friends. She may not even say best friends. I just feel like she's getting hung up on the language. And the reason I chose this question is it's not the only question like it I have received. It kind of represents other ones with this same hang up, all from adults 
feeling like they need a best friend. And I guess I'm just here to say it's okay to have a bunch of good friends. Best friend doesn't mean that that's the person who you see every day and talk to all the time. It's much richer than the quantity of life. I mean, there's many people through my kids who I see all the time and I I talk to all the time because that's the stage that we're at, but it doesn't remotely resemble the intimacy of friendship conversation that I would share with you who we've been talking for decades. Yep. And also we could go a long time without talking. A long time. We could drop the ball for almost a month. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, where have you been? Hello? Yeah. (laughs) We'll just kind of check in. Everything good? You know, and not everything good. Like, are you mad at me? Silence between us does not equal punishing. I don't think we've ever, I don't think I've ever (laughs) Ever, and nor have you. But that does happen with other people. Sometimes I'll know someone's upset with me because they literally drop off the face of the earth. And I'm like, oh, oh, I guess we're like, we're in a thing. And I didn't know because I only know because they're gone for a little bit. But yeah, we don't do that. And not only that, you can't stand on ceremony with your best friend. Like that is the point of difference maybe between everyone else and your best friend. If you're really in your head and heart saying, this person is my best friend, then you have to be able to pick up the phone and say, we haven't talked in a month. I need time. I need a conversation. I'm going through something. I'm not going through something, whatever it is. That is the person that you should really be in it with. And regardless of distance and the amount of time that you get in person with each other, it should be really hard to let go. There isn't really a fizzle. I have the same dynamic with you as I do with a couple of my college friends who also I've not lived in the same city with since 1999. I haven't seen them since before COVID, which is because I haven't been to New York and they haven't been here. And still there's real friendship there. Yeah. It runs deep. And she said something here. I also think we need to touch on, which is I end up feeling like I'm working harder to keep it alive and I quit trying and we lose touch. That's a very tricky one. Some people just aren't as good at reaching out. So she may be someone who's really better at reaching out. I don't know if she's reading too much into it, or if she is kind of onto something and she's wanting something from these relationships that aren't possible. But I guess my advice to her would be to not need the label, but also possibly accept that you are just better. You're a better communicator. She might be a better keep in toucher. And maybe the friendships are fine. I, I, we just don't know enough. But I picked it because I just thought it was good to tackle that first sentence where she says she's been searching for that elusive best friend. And like maybe she can stop. Yes. And in the best friend category, my advice is to stop keeping score. Yes. You know how we sometimes say that you're dating a friend when you're getting to know them. And I don't want to use necessarily the phrase keeping score, but it is a little bit like that in the sense you're you're looking to see if there's a back and forth, if the person is accepting plans or returning calls or reciprocating. So it, when it's a best friend, you're not keeping score. You're just in it. So true. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Dear Nina, your podcast is well needed at this time in history. Recently, I was sick, not dying, but sick with COVID and had lots of time to listen. I live alone. One friend came by with soup. Another dropped off an oximeter and supplements. One offered to walk my dog. Sweet gestures, all of that. Almost everyone who knew sent texts and were checking in. The one friend who I consider closer did nothing. And she put that in capital letters. Nothing. Later, she said, oh, I didn't want to bother you. My question is this. Don't some friendships just fizzle out until an event like this brings that fact to light? 
isn't it healthy to let go when it's time? Or do you tell yourself, well, she's not that good in this situation, but has other redeeming traits? I just, I don't know. That I don't know was her words. So what is our advice about this friendship? I'll let you start this one. My first piece of advice is to put yourself in a mindset of, I have a lot of people that care about me and are able to express it instead of this one person who isn't meeting my expectations right now. The writer is, had a support system and you never know what's going on in someone else's home or life. And COVID is something that we are all going through. This isn't the beginning of the pandemic where it's this like big stage of uncertainty and what's going to happen. I would definitely give people room for COVID fatigue. Not saying that COVID isn't scary. And I, I get that there's so many emotions involved. But if this person was your super close friend, I guarantee she is or he is bringing a ton to the table that is worth holding on to the friendship for. This is not a deal breaker for me. Yeah, I agree. It's not a deal breaker. I'm wondering if the friend who didn't reach out, perhaps when this friend is sick, she or he, we don't really know, but I'm just going to say she, maybe this friend doesn't like to be bothered. That was sort of my guess. Totally. So for the friend to say, I didn't want to bother you, maybe when she is sick, just really likes to be watching movies and doesn't want to be answering texts and stuff. And the letter writer clearly does want people to be in touch. And I've had to come to terms with that, you know, too. Sometimes if I have an expectation of someone, I realize it's because I would do something a certain way. And so I expect they would also, but that's just kind of unfair. Unless it's a really basic friendship 101. Whoever wrote this, we wouldn't end this friendship. Taryn and I would not. And I would go as far as to say is still be yourself. Let's say this person gets sick. You do not say, well, I'm not going to text this friend because they never texted me. You do you. If you're the kind of person who checks in and you enjoy when people check in on you, you should still check in on this friend. 100%. Be true to who you are regardless. Yeah. Okay. We're going to give that friend a pass. If, if that friend does something else that makes you raise an eyebrow, okay, right back in. We'll analyze that friend one more time. Okay. Number three, dear Nina. My almost 14-year-old son and the friends he's had since elementary school are growing apart. His friends have gone through puberty and are playing on sports teams that my son is no longer playing on and are hanging out with girls. He's realizing this but is struggling to find a place for himself and is still wanting to connect with these friends. However, they are choosing to spend time with others. COVID both masked that for him and made it difficult to find other friends. He's our third child and this is not an issue for the other two, or it was not an issue. He's socially skilled and generally well-liked, but he is a late bloomer physically, and I think that's also contributing. We are at a loss as to how to help him gain the confidence to try to make new friends. I think he's embarrassed by feeling left out by his friends. And this is an age where it can be hard to reach out to other kids, and he doesn't want us reaching out on his behalf to parents. What suggestions do you have for how we can help our 14-year-old build new relationships? <sighs> I sighed when I read this one. I'm sighing again reading it to you because it's so hard. We've did a whole episode on this or we've mentioned it in other episodes, how hard it is to step off the roller coaster of the kids' emotions and be there to help acknowledge that they're going through a thing, but not like feel the feelings really hard. So the first thing I want to say when listening to this question is it doesn't sound necessarily like this kid got aggressively dropped by the group. It it seems that Maybe they're not all in the same social stage. I think the mom used the term late bloomer. So the first thing I want to say is I think I would keep some of those friendships, if not all, I, you know, obviously we don't know these people, on a low burn 
I don't want it to be like, okay, you're going to aggressively leave this social situation. Kids are changing all the time and their interests and their social circles, how something looks in May is not going to look that way necessarily after the summer in September. And if there were real friendships that this kid valued, there's a chance in a week, in a month, by the time school starts again, that you'll be able to get some traction. I'm not saying to sit home and wait for that to happen. Obviously, it is something that you still have to work for a little bit. But I wouldn't make it all or nothing because I do think that they're constantly evolving and each individual kid is only thinking about what that each individual kid is going through at any given time. Uh, The second thing I want to say is she mentioned that he's not playing on the sports teams anymore. So there's less of that built-in social time for practice and games and probably the plans that happen on the field or the court from practice and games. There's probably a group chat for the team, let's say. Yes. I mean, yeah. What is this kid into? Right. And if this that's kid is into nothing, well, that's something that you have to work on and regardless of who's doing it or not. Because once that kid is like, well, I don't play basketball anymore, but I've always really loved tennis or maybe it's not a sport at all. Maybe it's cards or whatever. All of those things have a community where already they have something in common. And you have to sort of like light up that community. Right? Yeah, I love that's great advice, tapping into like different interests. And by the way, if these other kids are on different sports teams, I'll bet they're not even all on the same sports teams. They may not all be spending as much time together as this mom thinks. I bet that those kids have been playing, you know, maybe some kids are on the A team, some kids are on the B team, whatever. It's possible that those kids don't hang out as much anymore. It's just the nature of, like you said, like practices and group chats and doing things after games and stuff. They truly may be busy doing their own things and there just isn't the same group. I feel for this mom, though. There is that awkward kind of growing period where they they do, there's going to be these fresh friendships, like almost like we talked about earlier, when you have these new friends and you have to reach out and see who reaches back. It's so much work, but because it's so much work, I think that sometimes our perception of what's happening becomes a little bit irrational. I'm sorry, but your whole life isn't determined by your social situation at 14 years old. Like the sky's the limit. The world's your oyster. We shouldn't make such a big deal about reaching out to a new person, reaching out to a new group. We should make it be like nothing. Go out for ice cream after school. See what happens. And I also want to say, I mean, obviously, who really knows how the, the dynamics between the parents and the kid If this were my kid and they were home all of a sudden a lot on the weekend, I would probably also be at home a lot on the weekend, mostly because I think that if nothing else, that would encourage my kid to start making plans because (laughs) teenagers don't want to hang out with their parents. So really just start hanging out a lot with your kid. I think it would work if you have a kid who's like, no, it's not how it works. I'm not reaching out to so-and-so. And you'll be like, great, where should we go for dinner on Saturday night? He'll probably be like, okay, I'll find out if that kid is free. Right. You know what? <laughs> there's an important point this mom brought up. I, I've seen written about somewhere recently. And if I can remember, I'll put it in the show notes. This idea that there are kids who are moving a little faster. So in this case, these kids are hanging out with girls. It also happens sometimes that people start getting left out when the group is starting to get into alcohol or drugs. It is still unfortunate to be left out, but it gives the kid who's being left out a chance to find kids who are at their own pace. We kind of went through that. Like, I won't get too specific, but I could remember, well, in junior high, we had a huge group. I kind of feel like there was like a huge group, boys and girls. And then certainly by 10th grade, it starts to become a lot more clear who's going to get into stuff 
and who isn't. And we are definitely on the who isn't side, <laughs> right? We had each anyone other. Anyone who knows me, I know anyone who knows me who's listening to this is like, oh my God, totally. Because I'm really such a Pollyanna and I, I always have been. <laughs> but he wasn't just it, us. It was, we had other, you know, No, we but I, I, what I can say easily on this podcast is that my mom and all of the healthy ways was not stewing over me needing to branch out and make new connections. She was very hands-on with the rules and the expectations for my behavior, but very hands-off in terms of who I was friends with and how I was going to make it happen. So it gives you those life skills on how to find your friends. Yeah. We should say we have not been best friends our entire lives. We were in a very large group together, but probably didn't find this closeness until we were closer to 16 or 17. I think it was senior year in high school when we worked at Benetton together. And so we were sort of thrown into this other environment together that we were we were good friends. I, I got the job because you were there. And because I was working at the candy store, my mom said, you have to stop eating candy every day after school. Go find another job. And I was like, oh, well, Taryn seems to like her job. So I went over there. But yeah, that bonded us further. And then we had this trip together. Okay, we better go on to question number four because I can see that we're getting uh, close to our time limit. Okay, number four. Dear Nina, I'm writing to you in hopes of receiving some advice. My question makes me feel uncomfortable, ashamed, and embarrassed. However, I'm on the hunt for answers. I'm a 44-year-old woman who has been losing friends and relatives at an alarming speed lately. As a kid, I always felt quirky and that people didn't like me, and those feelings have followed me into my adult years. The thing that is super frustrating, though, is that people who leave me refuse to tell me why. In fact, I just purchased the book, What Did I Do Wrong by Liz Pryor, with hopes of finding answers. Do you think you could possibly help me figure out what it is that I'm obviously so unconscious to? Thanks, Katie. Well, it's hard because I wish I could even hear the inflection of her voice. I remember hearing some research from Marissa Franco, who's a friendship researcher. She's a therapist. I believe she's a therapist. I mean, she's definitely in the study of friendship and the social sciences. And she said that when you assume people like you, it really becomes true. And then of course the opposite is true. And she even said this in the letter that she basically assumes that people don't like her. She specifically said, do you think there's something I'm unconscious to? I think that is a possibility that she is acting kind of defensive and withdrawn in situations, well, acting withdrawn in a defensive manner, sort of just assuming ahead of time, oh, these people aren't going to like me. And then you end up acting a little bit unlikable. By that, I mean, like, maybe you don't make eye contact. Maybe you cross your arms. You seem closed off. Maybe you are just too conscious of like what people think. And that comes out. And I feel for you, Katie, this is really, really difficult if you feel like you are losing friendships. I'm not just going to discount that as a possibility, except for the fact that she also said relatives. And relatives could look beyond some of that stuff because there's built-in family time, obviously, that doesn't require someone to make an effort. So I think my advice to Katie is, and I, she already is kind of doing this because it sounds like she's at a point where like, well, it's time for me to own my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I give her that. So I find it hard to believe that not one person who has done this, let's say in the last year or the last two years, last whatever amount of time it is, has not given her one clue as to why they are distancing themselves. If it's all of these people, someone must have at some point alluded to something, whether it's she's emotionally unavailable or self-centered 
Katie, I'm not saying this about you because obviously I have no idea who you are. I'm just trying to think of qualities that people are exhausted by sometimes where they're willing to let go. I wonder if, like you're saying, that there's been just like too much of something and Katie hasn't had the sense early enough to dial it back. Like it just goes too far and then the person dials it back for you. Like if you can't do it on your own, then the other person's going to take the reins and make the decision about less communication. Because what does she mean by that she's lost friends and relatives? I have to assume she means people aren't reaching out or they're not reaching back, meaning they don't respond. Even if she were to be comfortable with the fact that she reaches out more, if, if somebody doesn't reach back, then that's a problem. I'm guessing that, I mean, how well, unless somebody blatantly says we are not going to be friends anymore, that's the only way you know is that they kind of disappear. Yeah. So when I think about relationships in my life and the ones that I've held on to, or am holding on to, and then the ones that I've let go, I kind of put it on this scale of, does this person fill my cup or does this person dump it out? Do I feel charged by this relationship or deflated from this relationship? You are allowed to have moments in a friendship where a friend dumps your cup. That real friendship, it's it's not always going to feel charge. That's not the way relationships work. And that's okay because that's real life and we're all human. But if you are in a relationship with someone and they are leaving every time, every moment, every conversation they have with you, exhausted, frustrated, depleted from whatever dynamic you have, that is probably what's happening. I don't know why it's happening, but you've got to figure out how to charge the people in your life. Yeah, and maybe Katie needs a therapist because maybe she's got some serious things that she's dealing with and maybe it's just she's going to the wrong people. Yeah. I don't know if Katie has kids, but let's say she has kids but only talks about her kids. That could be something that's irritating. She could have the personality where she only acknowledges when things happen and when it happens to her. We can only guess, but I guess what we are both saying are things that would make us distance ourselves from people. It's like we never said that at the beginning of this, but that's what we're doing, right? We're saying that if somebody was constantly complaining or only talking about themselves, being a victim, these are things that would make us probably, I'm guessing, I'm speaking for Taryn, but I know you pretty well. These would be things that would not put a friend like that at the top of our, let's call, let's go have a walk, you know, let's go for a walk list. So yeah, totally. I'm glad you're reading the book. I don't know Liz Pryor's um, book, but I'm going to look it up. Just doing any work on yourself is always a good thing. That's never a bad thing. I just be careful not to use the friends you do have as your therapist, right? There's a fine line between talking things out and sharing and exchanging information and just venting all the time. It's hard, but it, it is nothing to be embarrassed by. Yeah. It's just one of the cards you are sort of holding in your deck. And you just have to move forward and you have to just put yourself out there and make amends with your relationships and work on yourself and do it with some humility because you've turned some people off for whatever reason that you did. But I'm a very hopeful person. I think that there's always hope to make amends in friendships. And I think that there's always hope to make new friends. And there's always hope for us growing and evolving. That's beautiful. Yeah, maybe there's a couple relationships in this pile of people that have felt that she's kind of slipped away that are worth salvaging and maybe some that actually aren't. And maybe it's a it leaves a little room to start fresh and have a new attitude about friendship and, and Katie could not have any of that baggage and 
with these people and start new, much easier said than done. We've had whole episodes on making new friends, but I would join a thing, like do something new and different and see if even like one connection comes out of it. And you're just sort of practicing. Friendship is a practice. Like yoga is a practice. We use the word practice because it means that sometimes you mess up and sometimes you do better. And yeah. Okay. I think we, Katie, I hope you can write us again if you want to give any more clarity or we could tackle it again. Maybe we'll see. We, we do these every so often. The four questions. I think we did four last time. Also, Taryn, we are yeah. very much at our time limits. I know you have to get on with your day. So thank you very much for making time to be part of the show as usual. Thank you for having me. These were good meaty questions. They really were. And I, it's like, we, we could do the best we can. We always acknowledge we are not uh, therapists or anything. We just are regular people who, you know, are trying to help. As I always say in my little tagline, when our friendships are going well, we are happier all around. I don't just say that as empty words. I think that is absolutely the mission of my podcast. I want people to be successful in their friendships because it is a huge part of life. And when you're not feeling good about your friends, it does affect a lot of things. It does. And it feels very lonely. And people need people. People need people. That's right. Thank you, uh, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll see you all back here in a couple of weeks. And Taryn, I'm sure I'll see you uh, on the phone soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>